always been about not being afraid, you know, and, and the reason why we put our mural up on that wall is to say we're not afraid in a time where fear is like the biggest component of how the state is trying to control us. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. We're at Reams, a new bakery and cafe right next to the Fruitvale BART station in Oakland. Reams serves Arab street food to a growing and dedicated clientele. For several years, local activist Reem Asil sold her traditional Palestinian, Lebanese, and Syrian sweets and flatbreads at local farmers markets around town. Asil began gathering recognition for her baked goods and was featured in mainstream publications like Bon Appetit magazine. Positive reviews kept coming from Bay Area food writers. In 2016, she won Open Table's National Open Restaurant Contest, which helped fund her vision of a brick-and-mortar cafe. In May of this year, Asil opened Reams with the intention of carrying forward the values she held as a longtime community activist. She committed to hiring staff who face obstacles to employment, including women, people of color, immigrants, refugees, and the formerly incarcerated, and to paying them a living wage in the increasingly expensive Bay Area. When my family and I visited at lunchtime on that opening weekend, it was so popular that they had already sold out of food. We're at Reams during a Thursday lunchtime rush. There are customers eating and working at the tables. The staff is taking orders at a fast clip while the line of customers spills out the door. In the busy kitchen, one staff member is stretching fresh dough across a hot, domed griddle, while another is pouring a drink for a customer's order. Reem's specialty is the manouche, or flatbread, sprinkled with traditional Palestinian spices, or cheese, vegetables, yogurt, eggs, and other locally sourced toppings. Another popular choice is the pali kali, a flatbread wrap stuffed with sumac-braised chicken, caramelized onions, and arugula. Can I ask you what you just ordered? Sure. I just ordered the Pali Cali and a hibiscus rose cooler. Have you had them before? Yes. I eat here uh, almost every day, actually. Awesome. Um, what do you think about what's been happening to Reams and to the staff here? I think it's horrible and frightening and um, shameful. And also, I know that the community here knows what's up and are behind Reams 100% and and anybody who just comes here will know that that's that this is a place for community and coming together and it's really delicious. Yeah. Thank you. What's your name? My name's Caitlin. What Caitlin referred to are the continuous attacks against Reams by groups of Israel supporters who began showing up shortly after the cafe opened. The groups harassed customers and staff, blocked the entrance, and even applied pressure on local institutions that support the cafe itself. These right-wing groups have been protesting a mural that Asil had commissioned a local artist collective to paint on the wall of her cafe, a huge image of Palestinian-American community organizer Rasmia Ode, smiling against splashes of neon greens, pinks, yellows, and blues. In the mural, Ode is wearing a traditional Palestinian checkered scarf, or kefiyeh, and a button commemorating the young black father, Oscar Grant. 
Oscar Grant was shot in the back and killed by BART police on New Year's Day 2009 on the subway platform just a few meters above the cafe itself. Ode is the associate director of the Arab American Action Network, where she founded the Women's Committee that is credited with organizing and empowering hundreds of immigrant women. In 2013, Ode was indicted by the U.S. government for failing to disclose her conviction and imprisonment by Israel in 1969 for alleged involvement in two bombings in Jerusalem, which killed two civilians. While imprisoned by Israel, Ode was subjected to prolonged psychological and sexual torture and rape by Israeli soldiers, which Israel used to force her to sign a false confession. Ode has always maintained her innocence. When she was indicted by the United States in October 2013, Ode again maintained her innocence, taking her case to trial instead of accepting the plea deal that was offered at the time. She was convicted in a trial in November 2014, but won an appeal in February 2016. She was prepared to go to a new trial to argue that she had failed to disclose her conviction and imprisonment by the Israeli military on her immigration forms due to her post-traumatic stress disorder. But during the preliminary phase of the new trial, federal prosecutors expanded their indictment against Ode, adding charges that she was a member of a, quote, terrorist group, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, a secular Marxist-Leninist political organization. At Reims in Oakland, Asil has not only refused to cover up the mural of Rasmia Ode and cede to the demands of these right-wing groups, but has been outspoken in her and her staff's support of Palestinian rights and Rasmia Ode herself. Sitting at the cafe's outside patio, while Arabic pop music blared from a speaker, Sarah Kirshner of the International Jewish Anti-Zionist Network and the National Lawyers Guild told the Electronic Intifada that because Reem and Reems is unapologetically Palestinian and this place um, is about sharing that culture and cuisine um, as well as the history of fighting for Palestinian rights, um, it's now being targeted by um, people who are extremely racist and Islamophobic and who want to shut down a Palestinian business and are particularly enraged that Reem has chosen to honor Resmea O'Day, who is a very powerful Palestinian leader who's been organizing women around their rights in Jordan um, and in the United States. And so um, they show up periodically and because we're not interested in really trying to criminalize anyone, um, we've called on community to be here and just ensure that Reams can continue to stay open despite their attempts to close it, um, that when they are aggressive as they have been and attack people, that we're able to defend people and also protect this space and the people in it. Um, and uh, really also just um, we believe that the best way to really support Reams is to really make it a community space, honor it as a movement space, and enjoy it as a great place to spend time and get some good food. While we were recording on August 17th, a handful of Zionist protesters stood facing the front door of Reims, holding placards denouncing Rasmia Ode. At the same exact time, thousands of miles away in Detroit, Michigan, Ode was at her sentencing hearing, surrounded by dozens of supporters, where the judge in the case sentenced her to time served, a $1,000 fine, and the loss of her U.S. citizenship. Her case is now in the hands of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, whose agents will decide when she will be required to leave the country.
Here's Ode in her own words, addressing her supporters outside the Detroit courthouse after her sentencing hearing on August 17th. Really, I want to clarify for all of you, we will continue to struggle for our cause. We will, we will liberate our Palestine, more Palestine. And I want to thank all these people who's coming to support me, not just today, the whole four years they supported me. Thank you very much. Even there's people, there's families in the hospital, and they are in bad situation, and they are coming here to support me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Over the summer, attacks against Reims escalated after members of the Israel lobby group Stand With Us began inciting against the cafe and, according to reports, led a protest in front of the business in June. In July, a story smearing Reims was published in Breitbart, the right-wing propaganda website run by Steve Bannon, until recently an advisor to Donald Trump. The story described Rasmia Odeh as a, quote, Palestinian terrorist. Other right-wing, anti-Palestinian sites published similar attack stories while individual Zionists from across the world began trolling Reem's public Facebook and Yelp pages with attacks and bad reviews, hoping to permanently damage the cafe's reputation and discourage customers from supporting the business. Zionists have also harassed local organizations that support Reem's. Last month, Reem's was included on a tour highlighting women of color in the Bay Area food industry. The tour was organized by Kuesa, the Center for Urban Education about Sustainable Agriculture, which helps run local farmers' markets. Israel supporters began sending emails to members of the Kuesa board and to the bank that was underwriting the tour, demanding it pull its sponsorship. According to Reem Asil, the tour was canceled a week before it was scheduled to take place. Although she couldn't comment on the reasons the tour was canceled, Marcy Coburn, executive director of Kuesa, told the Electronic Intifada that they are supporting Reem Asil as a food justice entrepreneur and are working with her to reschedule the tour. Coburn told the Electronic Intifada that, quote, we believe in her as a food maker in this community and want her here and want her to feel safe and supported that she can run a viable business and feel good about what she's putting out into the community. The kind of harassment Reems has been facing fits within a larger pattern of ongoing attacks by anti-Palestinian groups in the Bay Area. Asil noted that in 2011, Israel-aligned organizations pressured an Oakland Children's Museum to cancel an exhibition of drawings made by Palestinian children in the Gaza Strip. And in San Francisco in 2007, artists were forced to remove images from their public mural depicting Palestinians breaking through Israel's illegal wall in the occupied West Bank. The San Francisco Arts Commission, which sponsored the mural, was under sustained pressure from influential Zionist groups, including the Jewish Community Relations Council, the JCRC, and the Anti-Defamation League. Here's Reem Asil. So any voicing of Palestinian, Palestinian-ness or Palestinian identity or Palestinian voice, um, they try to go after um, the, the things that's the institutions that support that. This opposition is so strong that they're trying to like infiltrate and attack anyone that's remotely connected to me. You know, they're going to try to isolate me, but I know my community is strong. I know that the relationships I've built are you know, stronger than this, stronger than a set of bullying, so, you know, that we will prevail over this. You know, I feel very hopeful in that, in that light. 
Asil added that although she expected some racism after opening her bakery, she wasn't prepared for the extent of the violent backlash and the impact it would have on her. You know, as Reams got more in the limelight, um, you know, we, uh, you know, thankfully, I, I feel very blessed that we were, we got a lot of really good press leading up to the opening of the bakery. And, you know, somebody told me, be careful if you're a successful Palestinian, like the more you are in the limelight, like the less under the radar you are, the more you're going to get attacked. So um, the first sort of inclinations of it were um, email sort of email threats and, and people sort of saying nonsensical things over email. Um, but then the sort of second wave of it was uh, through a series of coordinated uh, Yelp attacks in which um, people were giving me one-star reviews. And, you know, some of them were outright, like, racist and xenophobic and Islamophobic, um, you know. And some of them were just, like, lies, pretending that they had eaten my food. Um, and that was really scary. And, you know, as a business owner, you know, I had to be strategic and I didn't want to escalate, you know, like that's what your opposition always wants you to do. And so we sort of swallowed that and just sort of, okay, let's let this sort of fly under the radar. And like people who know Reams and who ever experienced Reams would like look at these reviews and say, this is bogus. Um, but unfortunately, you know, um, after a couple of weeks, so we, we, our opening was in mid-May, um, you know, I, I finally, I mean, I couldn't take it anymore. It's like only so much that you can get threats and phone calls and people saying they're going to come and like shut you down, um, that I, you know, appealed to my community. And I was so shocked because I essentially asked my community to like show up for Reams and, and to like attest to I didn't tell them to like write a review I told them to write a review like based on their real experience at Reams and within like two days I had like you know a hundred Yelp reviews and unfortunately because you know my side like went and told the truth then that that caused an escalation um, in which we had to actually shut down our Facebook because it got trolled so badly. They just infested it. They infested it so, they were so incessant about their attacks on Facebook that they actually um, attacked another Reams bakery in Qatar, <laughs> um, which was poor, poor folks were like a home bakery that did like food delivery and they got attacked. And um, so, you know, these, these folks don't, ha you know, they're just like, incessant on like trying to shut you down they're not even doing their research they're just like hate 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 you know um, so yeah it was definitely like a online disaster um, and then you know we sort of let it play out I think we we sort of I got a community support network together and we planned for the worst you know um, and luckily it hasn't gotten to the worst, and we hope, but, you know, we're living in a Trump era where you just don't know, like, even here in the Bay Area. And um, on July 8th was the first time that they actually showed up to my restaurant, tried, tried to disrupt the business, tried to block our doors, you know, attacked several of our customers. And, um, yeah, that was a wake-up call for me and my staff that, like, we need to really be coordinated and we need to make sure that we're protecting one another because um, the 
yeah, nobody else was protecting us. So. And how how did you organize that response? Um, you know, in in this, I mean, it's kind of ironic that the Resmia mural, Resmia is wearing an Oscar Grant pin, and Oscar Grant was killed by BART police just, you know, what, 50 meters from where we're sitting now. Um, but in, in, in having to organize a, a response to protect the safety and well-being of your staff and your customers, um, were the police involved? How, how, did you, how did you organize that and coordinate it and also, like, um, you know, balance out these, these kind of dueling narratives of, of we, we need to be protected, but also the police, you know, especially in Oakland, are not here to protect us. How, how did you, how did you yeah. do that? I mean, I think that, you know, Reams has a very explicit line on how we engage with the state, and that is non-engagement, and um, that's actually put us at a disadvantage because the police actually know Reams' line on law enforcement, um, you know, given our mural and given, I mean, I think nothing more than our mural and maybe, like, them looking up our my political activism. I mean, we're a welcoming space to anyone as an individual that comes in, but... I think it's like very known that like we don't, you know, we don't call the police unless we absolutely have to. We have like a very sort of explicit line with our employees, but we also have networks of folks that are alternatives to the police. So like we're engaged with a network called the Lightning Bolt Network, um, where we, you know, like talk about emergency preparedness and you know, like what are the things that we can do to protect one another should things happen so that we don't have to rely on the state because as we know, living, being right here in the Fruitvale, we know how that turns out when we rely on the state to protect us. Um, and so um, when it came to the protesters, you know, the, um, you know, the, we have the, the, the folks who manage um, this, the station have what they call um, community ambassadors. Um, but if there's a perceived threat, they made a thing that they have to do is call the police. Um, and in fact, the first time that the protesters came, they called the police on us. <laughs> and so these police show up and they don't really actually know what to do. Um, and yet they have no problem with like pushing homeless folks off with force, you know, or, you know, but like when it came to these protesters, they just didn't know what to do. And so it was actually just like, mayhem like the first two times the protesters came because you had you know all these protesters um the community ambassadors and then these police that just like didn't have any idea of what to do or like didn't use use their power to actually protect us and it just goes to show that like and and and, you know what we hear is that they think that we have they're like afraid of us which is ridiculous, you know, that like the, that their emotions are getting in the way of doing their job once again, you know. That, that the police is emotions? Yeah, that the police is emotions. They think that we, um, they don't want to protect us because they, they think we have an orientation to them, you know. And that's just like, you can see who gets protected and who doesn't get protected, you know. And so, you know, for us, like, we know that there are contradictions. We know that... Um, you know, two of these people are violent, and um, you know we have filed restraining orders um, to protect, you know, my security as a person, um, but then also the security of my staff. 
In response to the attacks on Reims, activists representing a broad spectrum of community organizations have joined the CAFE's defense team, including members of the Arab Resource and Organizing Center, Jewish Voice for Peace, and other social justice groups, and Filipino, Chicano, and Black-led anti-racism organizations. Again, Sarah Kirshner. It's just been so incredibly powerful. Some of the people organizing against fascism, what kind of gets grouped as the anti-fascists have been here defending Reims, really supporting Reims. So it's really been a show of our ability to defend our organizations, our communities, and our businesses when they are under attack by these extremely racist, white supremacist forces of different kinds. You know, the people who have been coming here are virulent, anti-Arab racists, anti-Muslim racists, Islamophobes, and they are also very, very Zionist, meaning that they believe at any cost that uh, Jewish people deserve to have an exclusive state in historic Palestine. And here then they shut down any Palestinian who dares to sort of celebrate and honor their history. So that's who's, that's what we're doing. Nadia Tanous, an activist with the Palestinian Youth Movement, talked about the significance of having a mural of Rasmia Ode inside this Arab bakery. This is really Reen's statement of community and how you cannot, um, you know, separate food from its history and food from its politic and from the context from which it was made. And it's a tribute also to Oscar Grant, uh, to his memory, uh, the, the resistance that we have as black and brown youth here in the United States against state brutality and state violence, police brutality, and also to our elder, Rasmia O'Day, who is being unjustly deported from this country that she's made her home um, for the past you know, few decades as a really active, really committed organizer. The community is behind us, whether they are Arab, Muslim, Palestinian, or not. Um, and this is really a concerted effort that you can see across various communities. Um, the Reams Response uh, Network and the community members who come out on their own accord is comprised of a variety of organizations, a variety of community groups, um, not all of whom are from the Middle East even. This is really about connecting the struggles that we face as people of color and um, black and indigenous folks, the demonization that we are facing from um, supremacist groups, from those who wish to change or silence our narrative. And we are standing here coming out today saying that we refuse for that narrative to prevail. We are here, we are human, we are in the flesh, and we are reclaiming our history. We are telling it for ourselves, we are feeding um, people our food from our own hands, from our own creation, and telling that story. We're connecting it to our political context, our historical context, our cultural history, and we are not ashamed. We are very proud. Lara Kiswani, director of the Arab Resource and Organizing Center, one of the groups helping to organize in defense of Reims, told the Electronic Intifada at her office in San Francisco that the attacks on the cafe are part of a broadening state of repression in the Bay Area, a place usually known for its progressive politics. Well, the Bay Area has been a really strong illustration of um, coalition work and cross-movement building around Palestine. We've demonstrated time and time again that we can come together to not only speak against Israeli apartheid, but actually make an impact through local campaigns around BDS. Um, Block the Boat being one great success where we were able to indefinitely stop an Israeli Zim ship from docking at the port of Oakland and working with communities, you know, every community in the Bay Area essentially came together for that. Um, and so there's, there's a way in which 
that success and the victories that we have been able to accomplish is constantly met with repression, which isn't unlike most struggles, right, in, in the world. But in the Bay Area, there's a particular way that it's, it faces off with Zionist institutions um, and interest groups like the JCRC, like Stand With Us. Um, so whether it's the fringe groups that just show up to protest or more targeted and systemic repression that actually stops us in our tracks from being able to move work forward, Reem is one um, example of that. So it's, a, it's an institution. It's a community institution. She's built her restaurant not just as a restaurant, but as a community space for social justice activists and organizers and for the Arab community to feel proud of who they are. She's not just serving food. Um, she's making sure that serving food is also connected to empowering the community around their culture and their history. Um, and that is a threat because not only is she doing that by saying, I'm a proud Arab woman, I'm a proud Palestinian Syrian woman, but she also decides to put a mural in her restaurant of a proud Palestinian woman, former political prisoner, who for us is an example of how we can continuously stand up against Zionism and Israel unapologetically and still constantly face targeted attacks by the U.S. government and Israel. Rasmiya Oda is that. So the fact that Reem um, continues to defend her mural in the restaurant, the fact that all of us continue to defend Reem as a cultural institution in the community space, makes her a target for Zionist groups who want to continuously come to the restaurant to try to disrupt business, to smear her, um, but also to alienate us every time we, try, we are actually building power in the Bay Area. I asked Kiswani to talk a little bit more about other incidents in the past few years in which community groups have worked hard to de-invisibilize Palestinians and Muslims. Such efforts have included mobilization against police violence, state surveillance, and Urban Shield, an annual police trade show where Israel shows off its so-called field-tested weapons, an event which continues to be strongly protested by Bay Area activists seeking an end to police brutality and militarization. Well, I like how you said de-invisibilize. I think that is sort of the work we're doing, is to visibilize, right, Palestinian identity and resistance. And the other flip side of that is to denormalize Zionism. Um, Zionism as a force is um, committed to eradicating anything Palestinian. Um, and so in the Bay Area, you know, we, have, we do a lot of work around that by consistently exposing the ways in which Zionism is racism and how it impacts us and through empowering um, campaigns that actually visibilize Palestinian identity and culture. But we also do other work, right? We do work to empower the Arab community more broadly, um, to make sure that students feel welcomed in their classroom, they feel like they're represented in their classroom. Um, so when we built, we had a campaign around getting Arabic in the San Francisco Unified School District, that wasn't a campaign about Palestine, right? That was a campaign about our broader community to be able to feel welcomed and part and parcel of society and the fabric of San Francisco, and for our youth to know that they can be their full selves and learn their language, and for our parent, the parents to know that they should also empower their youth to know them, be their, their full selves. Um, and we passed that, and it was a great win for San Francisco, for the Arab and Vietnamese communities, because we also worked with the Vietnamese community to get Vietnamese passed as a language to be taught in public schools. Now, one wouldn't think that Zionists would pay much attention to that, but they did. And it was an interesting learning for us, because the minute we were able to make a win like that within the city, within you know, institutions of the city, different than going into the streets and blocking a boat, working with ILWU, there's not much they can do there. The power in the streets is, is we took over the streets. And, the, and like we always say, whose streets are streets. But then when you talk about 
City Hall, San Francisco Unified School District. There's a relationship with Zionist institutions that is far-reaching, and sort of that is behind closed doors, very invisible to the regular person. Um, so before we knew it, they were trying to get Arabic not to be taught in schools. They tried to rescind the entire resolution that passed unanimously. And right after, they, didn't, they weren't able to accomplish that because, again, we showed support from every immigrant rights social justice organization throughout the Bay Area. The JCRC, which was the institution targeting the Arabic, the same institution that targets um, any pro-Palestinian organi um, community organization, including black and brown community organizations. Um, so we exposed that and were able to move that forward. But then they went after our ability to do any work with youth in public schools. So until this day, because we got Arabic passed, now talk about like Reams as a cultural institution. We, we basically had a cultural campaign, an education equity campaign, and we want it to get Arabic in the schools. And as a result of that, they've targeted us um, consistently with the Board of Education in order to block our ability to do work in the schools because we are unapologetically anti-Zionist. Um, and so they have tried to make a case that we are anti-Semitic, that we're racist, and they haven't been able to prove that. But what they have been able to do is stall our MOU. Um, which is basically just allowing us to be in the schools. There's no money attached. We volunteer our time to work with our own Arab youth in the schools. And since then, we haven't been able to do that. Um, so there's, that's one example, and it's different than your everyday examples of them just showing up and protesting. There's ways in which they reach really far um, into the pockets of politicians um, and do a lot of political coercion in order to invisibilize us even further, even when we're winning. Lara, how do you put the attacks against Reams in the, the overall context of repression against uh, black and brown people in this country, especially when the state of politics in this country is what it is right now, as it's always been, actually, mm -hmm. um, and, and seeing the emboldening of these like neo-Nazi, these fascist groups? You know, we, as a, also a black and brown community, um, understand the ways in which Zionism is in fact parallel to white supremacy. Um, and Zionists and white supremacists at this moment are emboldened by the Trump administration. Um, they all share the interest of marginalizing people of color and um, continuing to build up their own power in order to maintain control, right? Um, control of our lives, our movement, and, and try to be, um, really like strip us of our dignity and that's what we are seeing all over the country so whether it's Zionist showing up at Reams terrorizing her on a daily basis and, and her staff and the Arab community that's there or whether it's what we saw in Charlottesville for us this is a moment where people racist feel very very comfortable to take over streets to speak out publicly about their racism right um, and to get that support from the government so they're an extension right now of the US federal government as they always have been but the emboldenment of it the ways in which they're being becoming more visible and normalized is what's worrisome and on the flip side of that the repression we're facing for fighting back whether it's what we did in Berkeley where we fought back. We literally just protected and defended one another and made it clear that white supremacists and Nazis were not welcome in our town. Um, or what we see in Charlottesville where people consistently try to fight back and defend themselves. Or what we're doing with Reams is to protect the business but also protect the staff and the community from the attacks of Zionists. 
we are going to face repression, we are facing repression. Um, the US government and Trump's administration has made it clear that they want to criminalize dissent, and dissent meaning all those who are for social justice and against white supremacy. And that's what we're seeing here in the Bay with the Berkeley mayor now also trying to criminalize um, anti-fascists, right? So what we also have to be aware of is the ways in which these repressive systems are going to expand. Um, and our fight for anti-repression has to continue to be stronger and, and deeper around campaigns like Stop Urban Shield, but also just in ways that we learn to continue to train ourselves to protect one another and defend one another, because we cannot rely on law enforcement. We know that. We've always known that. But more, now more than ever, we have to understand what we're up against. Back at Reims, writer and activist Zoe Samudzi told the Electronic Intifada that standing in defense of the cafe is one way of fighting back and strengthening the community amid increasing state repression and racism. Okay, so I might cry. Um, I think that in the aftermath of the Trump election, <clears throat> and particularly after Charlottesville, there's been a really incredible outpouring of support in terms of people trying to figure out the best way for them to get plugged into the movement. And not everyone has to go and directly confront neo-Nazis and you know fascists, but people refusing to allow Zionists to have an uncontested presence in front of this establishment, people trying to teach small businesses how to not call the police, how to be supportive of houseless folks, how to refuse to cooperate with the state, with immigration officials. Um, get to me, that's been really profound and it's been, and it's been really incredible and I wish that this energy could have come sooner because it's so much easier to prevent horrible things like this than to to, to have to fight against them because we have so much more work to do than they do. But I think that I think that it seems like as much as we have obstacles that people are really starting to step up in all kinds of ways. And um, and I think that, that that really means a lot to me. That really it means a lot to Reem and, and the people that work here. For Reem Asil herself, she said that continuing to operate her cafe, continuing to provide her community with nourishment and meeting spaces, and continuing to celebrate Palestinian culture are all acts of resistance under these increasingly repressive climates in the Bay Area and across the U.S. As, a, as an aspiring entrepreneur and business owner, I wasn't uh, totally naive about what it means to run a business as an unapologetic Arab or a Palestinian for that matter uh, in a hyper-capitalist economy where, you know, I'm trying to feed my community and pay my workers well and, you know, do all of these things. Um, so I think despite the fact that, you know, I knew that I was on this sort of uphill battle, um, I think the thing that's been the most amazing piece of learning for me is that like your community really holds you and we couldn't be where we are today without our community and you know if anything when the attacks came like what was much more clear to me was the level of immense community support that we had you know from people from all wakes of life you know not just all the usual suspects um you know certainly movement folks you know the culmination of reams you know, it is the culmination of my work as a community organizer and an activist over years that, you know, I've built those relationships. But it's also been like 
the average folks who are in this neighborhood who can see, you know, who can see just how, um, you know, just the climate that we're living in and um, how crazy it is for someone um, to be attacked in the way that we have been. Um, and I think what's exciting about it is that, you know, I will, Reams has always been about not being afraid, you know, and, and the reason why we put our mural up on that wall is to say we're not afraid in a time where fear is like the biggest component of how the state is trying to control us. Um, and although at times I admit I'm afraid, you know, because I am running a business in this context, um, the people around me not being afraid, like, I don't know if that's been an inspiration of Reams, like, Okay, she's not afraid, let's not be afraid, but that has helped me sort of weather this storm on a personal level. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an act of resistance to say, like, you can kind of throw all these fear tactics at us and we're still not going to be afraid to say who we are. We're not going to be afraid to be silenced, you know. Um, that's an act of resistance. So I think that that's been sort of the silver lining to all of this is, like, despite all the odds, you know, we're, we're still, you know, we're still speaking our truth and, you know, we're still being resilient in the way that I imagine Reams to be. For the Electronic Intifada podcast, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman reporting from Oakland, California. Thanks to Sharif Zakut, our music maker and production assistant. For news, information, cultural features, and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net, where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, support the Electronic Intifada by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening. <laughs>